Bucks fans, we are back. It is a Monday, and it's Real Bucks Talk. We are live on YouTube, Bucks Report. Special guest on uh, tonight. I'm Michael Pless, your host. But joined with me tonight is Evan Winter. Evan, man, it's uh, it's been a while, so it's nice to have you on here. Yeah, man. Always appreciated to be here, and uh, glad we can share this Monday evening together. Yeah, absolutely. And talk football, something that you know we we love to talk about. And I mean, before we get into like Buck stuff, I mean, what's just like, I guess your this NFL offseason. I mean, it's just been like Stranger Things combined with I don't know Marvel Universe, all the above. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, it's easily been the wildest offseason that I've ever experienced in my. I mean, I guess I'm dating myself at this point, but like 27 years, if my math is correct, of not just remembering or not just watching football, but digesting football. You know, I've probably watched it since I was like two or three, but I can only, you know, really remember so far back. Either way, yeah. Like, there, it's been like one big circle of irony, in my opinion, because everybody talks about how important the quarterback position is. However, there was so much quarterback movement this year, but at the same time, it was because teams needed a quarterback. I mean, <laughs> like like Matthew McConaughey would say, time is a flat circle. So it's just yeah. it's it's just been so much fun to just watch it all unfold, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of movement, I mean, you you you've had some movement personally. I mean, just tell tell the listeners and our our audience like you know, obviously you wrote for Sports Illustrated, but just give them a little bit of background of, of what you got going on now uh, with your your new team there. Yeah, so A to Z Sports.com. Uh, right now we cover eight different NFL teams. We cover two different NBA teams, and we cover uh, one NHL hockey team in the Nashville Predators. Uh, and we're growing. Um, the ultimate goal at the end of the day is cover all 32 teams, and that's what eventually is going to happen. But yeah, right now still covering the Bucks uh, for those out there who still care about that. And then also um, doing the Packers, the Bengals, the Bears, and the Steelers um, in the meantime outside of Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm, have you had like interactions with any Packer fans like lately? Or I'm sure that Devontae Adams, like, and, you know, just the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, that's got to be wild. Yeah, man. Uh, actually, I had a lot of them hate on me because I wrote something about Devondre Campbell's deal possibly getting in the way of the Devontae Adams deal. And even though technically at the end of the day, it didn't get in the way because he just chose Las Vegas, obviously, to say right. from an objective standpoint, you know, I wasn't too far off. So, but um, no, outside of that, my experience with Packers fans has been pretty lukewarm for the most part in terms of you know good interactions yeah no that's good that's good yeah i mean well let's let's get into like just the bucks off season i mean your thoughts on i guess brady retiring and then it's like kind of felt like doom and gloom like this is this is it for the bucks we're going back into a rebuild and then all of a sudden he makes his announcement he's coming back and like it just seems like everything has gone right uh, for Tampa after that announcement. I mean, just your reaction to all of it. Yeah. So honestly, when Brady retired, I didn't feel that he bad. Lost audio. Oh, yep. Can you hear me now? Oh, no. That is weird. Lost it again. I don't know what happened. 
Maybe. Um, um, hold on one second. Well, we'll try to get Evan back here. I don't know. Sounds not coming through. Hey, what about now? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I just had. Let me, to... re- let me try removing you and then adding you back. Maybe that will help. I don't know. Can I hear? Can you speak now? Uh, do you guys hear him? Well, for some reason, I can't hear him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe it's on my end. All right, can you hear now? <laughs> no, I, I'm not trolling him. I don't think. <laughs> can, he, can anybody hear me now? Is is there anything going on now? Maybe it's my my headphones. <laughs> Let's see. Mm, that's weird. So. Can in the comments? Can people hear me in the comments? Okay, they can hear me. Let me try this. Here, I'm gonna change. <laughs> Must be my headphones. The Evan Winter takeover of the Real Bucks Talk. Y'all didn't know it was planned tonight, but here we go. We're yeah. ready to rock. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. That's what happens when you go live. <laughs> I don't know why it's not. Hey, just ask Will Smith and Chris Rock how fun it is to go live. Mm. I can hear I can hear you good. And I think everybody can hear me good. I just don't think they can hear you. That might be the I don't know what's going on. Hold on. Yep, stand by. <laughs> For whatever reason, I can't hear him. It always reminds me, anytime there's technical difficulties, for those out there who are listening and want to listen to me talk, it reminds me of the Simpsons whenever they would show I'm going to try to come back. Hold on. All right. Speaking of the Simpsons. Oh. Bart. <laughs> yeah, Krillin. It was always my objective to begin with. When they asked me to come on tonight, I was like, this is my opportunity. I'm just going to slide right up in there and take over the RBT. Y'all know me. So just for anybody out there who cares to listen, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like about the Bucks off season, especially once Brady returned. And I'll repeat this once Plus comes back on, but I mean, like, everything was pretty cool, I'm not going to lie, when Brady retired. I mean, you at least had some options to trade for and Russell Wilson at the time. You know, Deshaun Watson was still a possibility. You uh, there? I think we're good now. Sorry about All that. Right. Hey, that was all my that was all my intentional game plan of a hijacking your show. So absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, what a way to start the show. But <laughs> like, like we were talking about, um, yeah, just your. I mean, they've already heard it, but your thoughts on just this whole wild off season? 
Yeah, no. So yeah, starting with the Bucks. I mean, yeah. Honestly, I felt okay when Brady retired, just because you still had options out there to trade for, even though a few of them weren't as realistic. You know, I always thought Russell Wilson was at least a possibility. You know, mm-hmm. on, on a scale of one to ten in terms in terms of it being realistic, it was probably only about a five or a six. But you know, there was always that chance. Uh, but man, when Ali Marpet retired, that was just a blow. You know, that that was a kick to the crotch, uh, yeah. essentially. And that's whenever I was just like, man, yeah, as much as I try to stay objective, it's hard to paint an optimistic outlook for this team as it currently stands. Brady comes back. It's an instant shot of adrenaline into the arm, into the artery. And since then, everything has just kind of fallen back into place outside of, you know, Alex Kappa, Jordan Whitehead. But at the end of the day, those are guys you could stand to lose. So it really has been a solid couple of weeks and it's there's plenty to look forward to or look forward to in terms of you know a buck's perspective yeah absolutely i mean like you said brady coming back and then the ability to re-sign guys like ryan jensen carlton davis leonard fournette uh william golston so they just continue to bring back their own guys uh chris godwin getting his deal uh which looks like a bargain when you look at Devonte adams and tyree kill making that right cheddar cheese all over the place um so yeah very very cool and then they're able to add i think new blood which i i I think they needed i think they need some you know fresh minds even though it's people that tom Brady has played with and you know shaq mason and then you get a logan ryan someone that you know of as well because i know you follow uh titans football and he played there for a little bit so i mean it's just nice and then adding russell gage like you know, a lot of people talked about wide receiver three and that being a potential need. And they went out and got, I think, one of the best options they could have had and, and Russell Gage. 100%. And the best yeah. part outside of Logan Ryan, the mm-hmm. best part of that new blood is it's still young. Yeah. You know, Shaq Mason, if I if my memory serves correctly, isn't 29 yet, even though he might be 29 in June or something like that. But either way. Right. He's still not 30. Russell Gage is nowhere close to 30. And, yeah, and not only did they bring in Russell Gage just for one year, it's for three years. So there are plenty of options outside of just 2022. Overall, it's been a great offseason for the Bucks, just in not just in terms of short-term, but long-term picture, big picture as well. And you, you, can't, you can't ask for anything else better than that, honestly. Yeah, I, I really like I like the move of Russell Gage. I think that's gonna be that's gonna be like everything they wanted um from Antonio Brown, but without all the extra stuff and obviously his, you know, drama that he brought, you know, last year. And I, I think he's just he's that quick twitch. I mean, he's not really gonna make guys miss, but he's just the ability to get open and get those key third down catches i think is going to be very nice for for tom brady and company it's also going to relieve pressure off of you know mike evans and and chris godwin at times so that's very nice and now we just have to wait and see if they can get you know gronkowski back and i I think that's leaning towards a yes we just have to you know see how the offseason goes but yeah just having him back in the mix that's going to complete pretty much the offense on in my opinion i think they're pretty much set outside of you know, the, the guard position that's available, but, um, and then you go to the defensive side. I mean, just talk about Logan Ryan and that, I think that veteran presence that he can bring as a safety, but also as like a slot corner and, and kind of be that mismatch kind of player they can move around. 
Yeah, he's essentially what Rondé Barber was towards the end of his career with the Bucks, and I'm not right. saying I'll, I mean, with all due respect to Rondé, that's my guy, one of my most favorite Bucks ever. I'll never forget. I think it was 2009 or 2010 when he had the interception against Cleveland, and he was returning it, and he like ran out of gas like 15 yards short, or one of the players caught up against him. But either way, I'll never forget like. He's he's a little bit Logan Ryan's still in a little bit better shape than that, and the best part about him is his versatility, like you've mentioned and like you've alluded to. And when he was here in Tennessee, now granted that was three seasons ago, so uh, 2019 was his last year, and that was the year where he picked off Brady in the end zone or returned it for a pick six and all that stuff. Um, he's just a football player. I hate to be cliche. I mm-hmm. hate to you know use that term but that's the definition of logan ryan and a creative defensive coordinator like todd bowles is going to be able to line him up everywhere he's essentially what antoine winfield will be junior will be in about 10 years um i mean at the end of the day though you put him in the right spot he's got the instincts he's got the intelligence to where he's going to succeed and honestly it won't surprise me if he at least splits slot reps with Sean Murphy bunting at a mm-hmm. sixty to sixty to forty rate is what I would is what I would assume coming into the season. Yeah, I mean he just brings you know competition, but I, I think it's just a guy that can actually come in there and, and play a significant role and also do it at a high level. And I, I think that's gonna be very nice to have. I don't think they're done there, you know, in that group, but obviously I think they're they gonna add a corner or a safety mainly a strong safety I think they're looking for, especially if it's in the draft or, you know, maybe another veteran, I'm not sure, but, um, and it's, you know, obviously always a good year to uh, add corners and and safeties through the draft. And obviously Jason light has, has done that, um, you know, throughout the last couple of years. And, you know, people were uh, in the chat here talking about um, when to get your thoughts, maybe you already answered this when I was having, couldn't hear you, but, um, they were talking about better re-sign Ryan Jensen or, or Carlton Davis. I mean, in turn, so, okay. So let's just go ahead and say, put a gun to my head because <laughs> I'm going to find a way to make both of them work at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, put a gun to my head. It's Ryan Jensen. And that's because of Tom Brady uh-huh. whenever. And, and that's only because Ryan Jensen signed after Tom Brady announced his return. Like, could be a completely different story beforehand. If Ryan Jensen would have signed before Tom Brady, wouldn't have been as important uh, as Carlton Davis because of Tom Brady. Like, you've got to keep that center quarterback chemistry. You've got to be able to keep that center uh, rest of the offensive line chemistry, whatever, replace that phrase with one word, whatever you geniuses out there want to use. Um, And – Ryan Jensen is the guy who's going to call out the protections. He's going to shift the line. He's going to recognize outside of Tom Brady who certain players are, all that good stuff. You've got to keep that intact. At the end of the day, I would have felt comfortable enough with Jamel Dean as the number one guy, and I think that's who the Bucks would have made the number one guy if Carlton wouldn't have come back. Um, so at the end of the day, yeah, Ryan Jensen over Carlton Davis the third. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Jensen is just a huge uh, piece of the offensive line. Obviously, center 
if you have a good center, usually the the line works itself out, and and usually you're you're pretty you're you're going to be solid at least if you have you know the right guy in the middle there. So, yeah, that that was a big re-sign, and, and like you said, it came just like hours after the announcement of Tom Brady. So makes it that much more special, and just knowing that that chemistry is going to continue. Um, but yeah, Curlin with another question: uh, Will we see more Mike Edwards? Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I, yeah. I think he's going to play more, and and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's a ball right. hawk. It, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize him. You know, is he going to play more free safety, and they're going to move Antoine Winfield more down in like the box area and let him be around the yeah. football more? You know, maybe get to see Winfield blitz more, which I, I think is awesome because he's a great blitzer. Uh, so, I mean, just your thoughts on on Mike and and obviously the more opportunities should be good for him. Yeah, kind of going back to what I was talking about with Todd Bowles being creative and stuff, yeah. both of those guys offer better versatility than Jordan Whitehead. Yes, Jordan Whitehead is a better box safety than both of those guys, and you could argue that his role as that box safety was almost as important as the center field role in the defense, even though I would think the center field role is more important just based off of today's NFL offenses and all that stuff. But just mm. based on, you know, intangibles, you know, him, the hard hits, you know, all that stuff, like just how he fit the run, all that, you know, non-flashy stuff almost adds up to, you know, being more important, but it's not at the end of the day, in my opinion, at least. Um, so, but what Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield Jr. both offer you is range and the ability to play the box. And in Mike Edwards's case, ability to play the nickel position, nickelback, mm. or the star, or the slot, whatever. So you could easily have both those guys in, or maybe even Logan Ryan. And then you'd be fine with Mike Edwards or Antoine Winfield Jr. both playing center field. Now, granted, Mike Edwards' range, I would think, is a little bit better than Antoine's. Mm -hmm. But still, there's just all different types of ways you can mix them in. And especially when it comes to obvious passing downs, stuff like that, Mike Edwards will be the guy back in the back. But we're obviously talking situational at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would expect to see a whole lot of Mike Edwards this year. And I would expect Todd Bowles to find a good role for both him and A.W. Jr. and Logan Ryan at the end of the day. Yeah, I couldn't agree. And um, let's let's shift let's shift uh, gears a little bit uh, to uh, the running back position of this team. And and what's your thoughts on obviously bringing back uh, Leonard Fournette? Was it like pretty much something they needed to do, or how how do you feel about that that running back position? Yeah, definitely needed to do it. I mean, you Ronald Jones obviously wasn't coming back. Um, I don't even know if they offered him. Never heard any reports of them offering him anything. No, I watched his uh, presser in Kansas City yesterday, and nobody asked him. So that's you know obviously up for debate. Yeah. But it just really, especially after last year, never really felt like he was coming back. Keyshawn Vaughn is Keyshawn Vaughn. While he showed improvement last year, it's not enough improvement to be the guy. Yeah. Lady and Bell. He's still he's still out there. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, in terms of just being a true three down back, chemistry with Brady, chemistry with the offensive line, Leonard Fournette was the option at the end of the day. It was just a matter of, you know, the market. And unfortunately for the Bucks, the market did not dictate much for him, or at least better than what the Bucks had to offer. 
Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. I think Leonard, you know, I was kind of like in between it. I was like, you know, we could look into the draft and maybe draft a guy, but then at the same time, it's like, how fast can a rookie, you know, pick up this offense and also be ready to pass protect for Tom Brady and, and do all the things that you need uh, for this kind of offense to be successful. And when you look at it, Leonard Fournette really just grew so much last year as far as, just taking it over. I mean, he was, he was that main dude where put him in there. You could trust him to pass protect. You could trust him to catch the football. And I think that was the biggest thing. His ability to catch uh, really took leaps and bounds and just being that kind of blanket for Tom Brady, you know, whenever he needed, you know, some yards there underneath, you know, Leonard was there for him. So really good to see him back. And also the, the contract value, I think was pretty, pretty nice and what they're able to do for three years and, and pretty much as a two year deal, um, have them, you know, for a third year as a potential option. So I like it. I mean, and you can still draft a running back, um, which they might do. You, you never know. So, yeah. And, yeah. and you wouldn't be able to blame them if they did. And like, and that's mm. the key thing with him is, you know, a three down back in today's NFL is rare. Uh, very I'm, rare. Yeah, and and he's effective at all three levels of the game: the rushing, the receiving, and the and the pass protection. So, well, at least last year, his overall body of work. Yeah, that's to be debated. But at least last year, he showed a lot of improvement. Um, so, at the end of the day, yeah, you, you can't just line up four wide, one tight. You know, and then the rest, the rest, you know, the offensive line and Brady because the defensive, the defense is going to know exactly how to blitz at the end of the day, especially when it mm-hmm. comes to obvious passing downs. You've got to have a back back there that can pass protect. There was nobody else out there that can do with Leonard Fournette. Honestly, if I had to guess, and obviously this is just arbitrary and subjective and just a talking point, but his seven million per year. Three and a half of that belongs to his pass protection that he showed last year, and mm-hmm. like I said, that's just just fun talk. You know, right. there's there's nothing concrete with that, but that's 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 where I would stake it if we're assigning numbers to everything and just having fun at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think you know it just makes this offense flow better. You know, especially mm-hmm. when you know you have a guy that can do everything out there. It helps yep. you be less predictable, and we saw that when you know Leonard wasn't in there. It's like. Well, Ronald Jones is in there. Okay, they're going to do some type. They ain't of, throwing it. <laughs> yeah, they're doing some type of run, or they're going to try to do, you know, some type of play action. But he's going to be out of the blocking assignment. He's not going to be in there, and it kind of, you know, it just leaves you more opportunity for Brady to either, you know, some type of mistake could be more potential than having a litter four net in there where you know for sure, okay, he's going to do his job and, and make sure that everything is on the on the right track. Yeah, and you know, and going back to Ronald Jones, mm. just whatever happened last year, you just knew it wasn't going to work out. It, it's just one of those things that just wasn't going to happen. So, either it was Keyshawn Vaughn or it was Keyshawn Vaughn and a rookie. Yeah, and with Tom Brady back in the fold, you, you can't have that going into this year. You just can't have that. Yeah, agreed. So, you know, just I mean, you know, summing it up for the offense, I think it's a unit that is in really good shape and. It's just nice that they were able to put these pieces together and, you know, get a Shaq Mason to fill in, you know, either left or right guard, wherever they're going to put him. I, I'm thinking they'll probably put him at right guard since that's where he's right. played most of his career. Uh, and then obviously left guard is going to be, I think, a pretty good competition. Uh, you look at Robert Hainsey and, um, 
you got Aaron Stinney there as well. Uh, but you never know how that's going to play out. Maybe they add another guard here uh, coming up. Uh, and then I really like the move. I haven't talked about this yet, but I like the move of adding Fred Johnson. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's from Cincinnati. He's not going to be very good because that line was, you know, obviously struggled last year. But I, I like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like the upside, though, of uh, Fred Johnson. Still young, a lot of size. And I like that they're going to put him at tackle. And I think it just gives you another option besides Josh Wells and also gives him competition, too. Dude, yeah, competition is never a bad thing. Yeah. And Fred Johnson, yeah, he's underwhelmed. But, you know, as I kind of just briefly mentioned, slid underneath while you were talking, uh, you can call it an eruption, I guess. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he's he's been hurt a lot. So, you, you know, you never know how that can affect a player. And for what they're getting him for, and yes, Josh Wells has been okay over the last few years. Still, though, when it comes to depth, you can never have enough good depth. I mean, if that doesn't register in your brain, then I'm sorry, you're not worthy of a football. I don't don't ever mean to judge, but people don't, don't understand that. They just they have no place in a football conversation. So, yeah, bring in the depth. Let's see what happens. And that way, if we end up without a Tristan Wirfs, God forbid, or a Donovan Smith for an important game, then we have somebody in there that can trust and can hold up the fort hopefully for those you know 60 minutes mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i think that's been like the mindset of the bucks this offseason is is trying to make that depth even better than it was last year and obviously it struggled at times because there were so many injuries and yeah. i think they're trying to make sure you know especially if this is going to be the last one run with tom brady like let's make sure we have every piece we can get, you know, and uh, make it as strong as possible. Uh, easier said than done, you know, cause you got to deal with the salary cap and stuff like that. But so far, so good. Um, let's uh, change a little to the defensive side. I mean, just, um, and Dominican Sue thoughts on him. Does he come back? Do you, th do you feel confident in that, that he re returns for another year? Honestly, I'm still on the fence. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I don't know if it's a good thing if he does or doesn't. Like, I don't think – I think the only realistic option for the Bucks in this year's draft to make an immediate impact. So, put all those words, you know, into, you know, a pie or whatever. And yeah, this is what comes out. But Devonta Wyatt is really the only guy I think that could possibly fall to 27 – that would provide that interior pass rush they're looking for on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. First round, I mean, interior pass rushers in the draft in their rookie year just don't really pan out. No, and I looked don't. at, I, I looked up the stats before this using Pro Football Reference um, from 1994, whenever the draft moved to seven rounds to now. There's only been four players listed as defensive left or right tackle. And I know Todd Bowles's defensive line is yeah. interchangeable. There's really no true designation. But if we're talking nose, three tech, mm -hmm. you know, possibly four, anything outside of that is considered outside in my book. But if we're talking that inside, there's only been like four players with over five and a half sacks in their first year since 1994 yeah um yeah so i feel like you've got to bring them back you've got to bring them back and then you draft a guy 
maybe like a Parian Winfrey in the second mm-hmm. round, maybe third round, who's rotational, who's situational, yeah. who comes in and eventually grows into that guy while Indomitian holds the four down. I don't know. That's that's just my thought process on everything. I'm I'm hoping he comes back. I really like Sue. I, I thought yeah, he's been great. Yeah, he's been great. He's been really good, especially the last few years. And yeah. I know last year he he dealt with a significant injury that you know no one talked about. Uh, nope. He just mentioned it in the offseason. Torn PCL, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. So, I mean, just shows you how tough these dudes are. They're, you know, machines, I guess, cyborgs out there. They find ways to to play this game. Uh, but, yeah, he's been terrific. And really, I think his his help of developing Vita Vea and others, Will Golston, obviously taking him under his wing, and it, it showed. So, I hope he returns, and I'm I'm with you on the draft. I, I think it's going to be tough to get a Devontae Wyatt. I don't see him making it past right. 20, you know, just because teams are going to want that. Like he's so good, and a lot of the Georgia guys are going to be picked pretty uh, pretty quick. I mean, that's a very good defense. Uh, so you look at that, and maybe they look at some of these edge guys in the draft that could play, you know, potentially inside like they did with uh, like a Logan Hall. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe a Logan Hall. I, I like uh boy Mafe from Minnesota. I, love Boye Mafe. I, love I think that guy would be outstanding. Um, maybe you could look at an Arnold Ebicady. Yeah. You know, out of maybe, yeah. He's yes. Fun. So, you know, guys like that, that could maybe play a little bit inside kind of like they did with uh, Joe Tryon last year. Um, you know, so there's some different options. And and to that point, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like they just they need more pass rush. I don't care if it's inside or outside. They, they they gotta find another another dude because you can't really count on Joe Tryon to take up like that huge leap like they're counting on. You know, obviously JPP I don't feel like is gonna be back. Um and you know, Shaq Barrett is good. He's not great. He's just a, he's a good, very good technician. He's not that super athletic guy right. that's going to win off the edge. They need they need more athleticism up front. And obviously, if you can get that at twenty seven, I, I think that would be uh, in their benefit. But again, it it just depends on how the board plays, you know. But well, kind of kind of going back about a step and a half. What would yeah. you think about Anthony Nelson possibly playing with his you know four point stance, three point stance, you know, his hand in the dirt inside? I feel like the development he showed last year. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he kind of reminds me of poor man's Carl Nassib at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and that's not just because they're white. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, just like what he's shown based off his skill set and all that stuff, he could possibly get thrown into the rotation. But then, no, but like a Logan Hall, um, like you're saying, Boye Mafe, and then just out your outside edge rushers at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, they could totally be used – and the Bucks need more pass rush because obviously the four man rush did not work last year whenever they deployed it. And Devin White didn't take that. He had a ton of quarterback hits last year. Yes, I think he set a career high, but mm. he just didn't. And granted, I realize his use in 2020 was specialized because of injuries going on at the time, Shaq Kavar being on COVID, stuff like mm. that. But same time, he still didn't show that exact same capability in 2021 as a pass rusher that he did in 2020. So yeah, no, they they I'm with you all day, man. They've got to figure something out in the front seven. And if if it weren't for Sean Murphy Bunning going into the last year of his deal this year, uh, Jamel Dean going into the last year of his deal this year, yeah, and Mike then Antoine, and then or yeah, sorry, Mike Edwards, and then uh, Antoine Winfield being 
the last year of his deer deal next year, mm-hmm. I would say completely focus on the front seven. But at the end of the day, I think I have no confidence in Sean Murphy bunting. I think you got to throw. I think you got to throw a high pick in that in in the defensive backfield as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm I'm looking at like a, a Lewis scene. Obviously, he could be yeah. well gone before 27, but right. I think he would be a perfect fit because they need a strong safety. He's a guy that is just big, fast, and play pretty much anywhere you want. Uh, perfect Todd Bowles kind of safety. Uh, and then you look at corners, obviously, you know, uh, Keir Elam from Florida could be a guy, again, has length, speed. Uh, some of the Auburn corners are are very lanky too. So, I like Kyler Gordon out of Washington. Washington, yeah, yeah, and and you know the Bucks have a history with Washington. Jason Light has a very good yep. relationship there. So, you know, obviously that that could be an option. But I just hope they can find some pass rush and and maybe even it's a veteran that's still out there that they could add. I don't know if they'll be interested in like a Melvin Ingram or. Um, you know, he's worth, he's worth, I mean, I would rather, I would take him over Kalias Campbell any day. Mm-hmm. I just think Kalias at this point is a taller and Dominican too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like six, seven. So, I mean, yeah, yeah he, he had, I think he only had like one and a half sacks and 12 quarterback hits last year. Yeah. Yeah. For what he's going to want to get paid, you got to have way more than that in terms of pass rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And, and you know, you know, maybe they look at one of those guys again. Justin Houston's out there. I'm not sure how you know how productive he's been. He was cheap last year. I think he was only like three or four million dollars last year. So you could easily take a gamble on him. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, I could just and you know, G Vegas brings it up, but I mean, again, it's just adding more pieces to the front seven, and especially if they're you know a veteran piece, and it just allows you to do more stuff in the draft where you're, maybe later on you can take more. I guess more development types, you know, that could work out into an edge rush or interior pass rush. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those, those are good to hear your, you know, just hear your thoughts on the draft. And obviously I think we see eye to eye where this team has to be better um, up front, getting after the quarterback, especially, uh, you know, just more consistently. So they don't have to blitz as often as they had yes. to last year. And obviously they died by the blitz um, and, you know, it's just uh, you'd like to see Todd Bowles be able to play more coverage. And obviously, I think he would have. It's just the injuries, I think, changed their whole plan uh, throughout the year. And then, you know, as playoffs came, they couldn't really change it back. So definitely. Know. Yeah, no, no, that's that's exactly what happened. The injuries just all over at all three levels of the defense. Yeah. Caused him to have to do certain different things. But going back to your point about dropping guys back in coverage. What gave Tom Brady or what has given Tom Brady the most trouble since he's been in Tampa Bay, the Saints, when they drop back in coverage and they can still get home with three or four guys. Matthew Stafford, when he threw his interception, when Jesse Bates picked him off in the end zone in the Super Bowl, it was when the Bengals rushed three guys and still flushed him out of the pocket. Like, Mm. Blitzing, yes, especially from all of us. We are all diehard Tampa Bay people. We've watched this team since the mid-90s, or not earlier, since they've had Leroy Selman, since they've had aggressive defenses, even though technically cover two defense at the end of the day is not Mm -hmm. an aggressive defense. But (laughs) you've still got to have a good pass rush. You know, know, we get it. We get it. Um, Either way, you've got it. We're, We're used to aggressive, good defense. And, like... 
to be able to be to do that in this day and age to rush three and four is priceless and you've got to be able to do it effectively if if you want to succeed on defense if not you're going to be mid-range or worse there's there's no other way around it no you're spot on and uh here's a great question by chris he says do you think they trade up at all you know maybe in the first round for you know maybe a a high caliber prospect that maybe falls a little later so they haven't traded up since 2019 right yeah it's been a while yeah well, they, 2020 they traded up one spot to get tristan worse but oh I mean, yeah i don't know yeah. if you count that but yeah yeah so but virtually yeah outside of the first round didn't they trade up to get jamel or sean or something like that in 2019 i can't remember exactly. uh, i think they just i think they just traded back they they ended up trading back they okay. got two two picks to get uh jamel dean and mike edwards but yeah trading up i mean hasn't it, been it much yeah, I mean, unless it's for a kicker, but <laughs> can't can't talk about that. But everybody just like totally puckered up and left the chat, right? Yeah, I know, I know. Saw, <laughs> you saw tumbleweed go through. Um, I mean, it would just all depends on what they include in the package. I don't really think they have the ammunition to trade up. Yeah, only um, six picks this year. Yeah, so and what none after the fifth round or none right. after the fourth round, rather. Right. Um, so yeah, you just might as well, you know, take your swings when you can and then just go from there. Unless, like I said, unless there's just somebody that falls that is just absolutely ideal. Like let's say Derek Stingley Jr. falls all the way to 25 or something, then yeah, yeah. shit. Send that, <laughs> send that number 27 and a third or fourth rounder and let's let's get this done. You know what I'm saying? Right, but, right. Yeah, I, I think you stay put for the most part. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think like you said, if it's someone rare like that, where it's, you know, maybe it's a Stingley or maybe it's like a, for whatever reason, Kyle Hamilton, you know, falls to, you know, the twenties, like you go after a guy like that, that can be a hybrid and do it all. Um, Devonte Wyatt, I think if he gets close enough, right. I wouldn't mind trading up for him. I think he's the perfect fit next to Vita Vea and it would be a lot of fun uh, to have him on this team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, what they want to do is probably stay put. And if anything, they might trade back uh, to get extra picks possibly. So obviously salary cap plays a factor in all this and everything. Right. But what do you think about possibly Larry Ogunjobi? I mean, he I, now granted he's been four, three, he's been the three tech and four, three for most of his career. So you got to kind of wonder how bulls would factor him in, but with the failed physical, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, they might yeah. even work something out with him. I, I wouldn't mind it. Um, he played with Cincinnati, right, last year? Right, yeah. He was yeah. the guy that hurt his foot against the Raiders, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, he's been a good player. I, I liked him coming out pre-draft, and, you know, I think he'd be that kind of guy that they would want, you know, push the pocket, add some speed and athleticism to your front. I mean, if they can find out a way to get a deal, yeah, I would, I would go for it. I, again, a lot of people are talking about this draft. I mean, you know, G Vegas is on it. I mean, it's not a great draft. It's not, right. you know, it's not a star studded. I mean, there's some top, top, you know, some guys at the top there, but overall, this is a draft where it's mainly value in the, in the day two, you know, right. area where you can find a lot of good players, not great players, but a lot of good players that are solid. Um, and obviously the quarterback class is just that, that hurts it because uh, that position is not, I mean, you might get some reaches, but, it's just not a class you you're gonna look at and say, 
you know, you're not going to find any stars. It doesn't look that way, at least um, right. from from the QB spot. Um, and then obviously other positions are kind of lackluster. And unfortunately for the Bucks, the defensive tackle position is bad yet again. I mean, it's just not very good. To think about we once lived in a world where a three-sec like Gerald McCoy went third overall. <laughs> Followed by Indomitian Sue. Right? Yeah, right. Or, or no, no. Indomitian went second, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was it first? Was, okay. Yeah, yeah Dominican so, was first. Yep. Imagine we once lived in that world. That was only 10 years ago. Like that, <laughs> or not, or 11 years ago. Like, oh my God. Crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is nuts. Like, yeah. Players like that. And then you had, you go farther back, you had three running backs taken in the top five. And one of those right. was Cadillac Williams at, at fifth overall. Um, Oh, yeah. the CLs with him. Anything that started with a, a consonant or a vowel and ended with CL was was bound to get torn. Unfortunately, <laughs> love you, Cadillac. Love you. I'll never forget the season opener in 2005 against the Vikings. Oh, that yeah. final touchdown run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was fun, man. It was that was a that was an interesting year. Um, it's just it, it's kind of crazy if if you could play like uh, I guess the butterfly effect. And if we take in like an Aaron Rodgers or DeMarcus Ware, yep. and like what would have changed for this franchise and how, how different it would be. Don't feel bad. The Titans took Pac-Man Jones that year instead of Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. So don't feel that's, bad. That's but either way, he still somehow played 12 or 13 years in the NFL, which yeah. to me, wasn't, wasn't he drafted? Was he was drafted right after Cadillac. Wasn't he? he was six overall. Yeah. He was six overall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy though. I mean, and Demarcus Ware went I think eleventh, and it's just like right. you have him on Monty Kiffin's defense with Simeon Rice. It's just, I mean, unreal. That, that would have been nice to see. Um, yeah. But it and is he was and he, and, and he still played at Troy that you know, the, during his college career too. Mm-hmm. So that just shows you how badass he was in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he also had uh, what was it, Sean Merriman? I think in that class as well. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, so yep. yeah, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's funny how how times have changed. I mean, running backs are devalued now, and now it's you know, it just seems like it's becoming more receiver esque. Like a lot of receivers now, if throwing the football obviously is king, and uh, you know, receivers are just continuing to dominate this game. Everybody just sells their soul for a quarterback, and then they pick up the pieces along the way. <laughs> that's, pretty much, that's pretty much how it goes. Like, okay, we're just gonna throw whatever we can at the quarterback wall, and then uh, we'll we'll figure it out as the rest of the rest of the way goes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's quarterback receiver. I mean, that's that's how it that's how it's playing out, and you know, just seeing like the the trade market so far with uh, you know everyone's going to the AFC. It seems like, and that's another thing I want to ask you. It just seems like. I don't know if Tom Brady's like the greatest wizard of all time, but it just seems like he is making the the NFC pretty much his outside of the Rams. And, you know, and now you look at the AFC, it's just loaded uh, across the board. Yeah, well, the funniest part is Russell Wilson got traded while he was still retired. (laughs) Or I think maybe it was the day after. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. My mind's been so scrambled the last few weeks. But uh, either way, uh, no – what has happened in the AFC? So the AFC West, not only do you have good quarterbacks, but now you have good pass rushing, not just players, but pass rushing duos. Yeah. I mean, you've got Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. You've got Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. 
you've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. And then, well, I guess you could say the Chiefs are lacking with Frank Clark. And um, I don't even know. I guess you would essentially call Chris Jones the other guy since they play him at end a lot. Mm-hmm. But either way, uh, you've still got a lot of fearsome players on the defensive side of the ball. But then you look at the AFC North. And man, the AFC North is pretty underrated, in my opinion. Deshaun Watson, obviously, now this is pre-suspension talk. We're just talking on paper. Um, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. And then if the Steelers can even get half of what was initially expected from Mitch Trubisky when he was drafted second overall, mm-hmm. you've got a pretty competitive vision. And let, let's not forget the Steelers made the playoffs, even though they finished 9-8. and eight, there was another game added to the schedule, and even though they were the seventh seed, you know, I mean, they were the <laughs> bottom of the bottom. Let's yeah. not forget that. But still, they made the playoffs. They return a lot of players from injury from last year, and they've had a pretty damn good free agency period, in my opinion. So, AFC North, AFC West, the AFC South is, eh, it's kind of poo-poo. Um, and then you got the AFC East, where, if Zach Wilson can take that step, um, you know, that's expected of him in year two. You've obviously got Josh Allen and the Bills. Who knows what happens now that Tyreek is in Miami. Yeah. And then maybe one of these days, the other AFC East team that I can't even think of, that's how irrelevant they are. Um, they'll The Patriots, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, but then you still got the Patriots, you know, right behind the Bills. So I, I don't know if anybody caught that shade, but uh, <laughs> but um, like the AFC is stacked, man. Mm-hmm. It is stacked, and it's going to be interesting to see, like especially with the media, how things play out in terms of perception over the 2022 mm-hmm. season. Yeah, I I just find it funny that you know Tom Brady comes back and it just seems like the rest of the NFC South got way worse. Like they're, yeah. they're imploding <laughs> nope, on each nope. other. Nope. <laughs> so it just seems like Tom is doing what he did in the AFC East. Now he's doing it in the NFC South, where he's just he's making these teams somehow find a way to make bad choices, bad decisions, and it's just benefiting his team, which is great as a Bucks fan. Um, obviously we still have to play the games and we got to see, you know, I, I still feel like our biggest competitor is going to be the saints. Cause they st- yeah, they still have a good defense and Jameis Winston, I think is solid enough where they can figure it out, but obviously, you know, they lost some pieces, you know, Sean Payton's a big loss. Uh, you mm-hmm. look at their left tackle, you know, losing him to Miami, you know, that's, that's big. And it kind of shifts their draft st- strategy as well. They're going to need receiver left tackle, a lot of different things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic changes and how, I guess, uh, Dennis Allen, you know, approaches things and what is there going to be their strategy. Uh, then you have Alan Kamar, who I think is in still legal trouble. I don't know. Yep. He got arrested. So who yep. knows what's going to happen there, you know, suspension wise or what have you. Um, Michael Thomas, who knows with that dude either. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not Mr. Morals by any chance, mm. but if, Alvin Kamara gets suspended after he's been arrested, so on and so forth, and nothing happens to Deshaun Watson, which I don't think nothing's going to – I think something's going to happen to Deshaun Watson. Yeah. But it'll just show you, like, how screwed up the NFL is at the end of the day. But, no, going back to the Saints, even though they've lost guys and big guys at key positions, 
they still have continuity at the end of the day. Pete Carmichael is their offensive coordinator. He's been there since 2009, I think. Dennis Allen, you know, has obviously been a pain in the Bucks' ass since like 2015 or 2016, whatever it is. So yeah. my, honestly, without being on the inside or following the Saints, like I follow the Bucks, my initial impression is that Dennis Allen just keeps doing his thing on defense and he's going to let Pete Carmichael handle everything on offense, just kind of like what exactly what he was doing when Sean Payton was around. So mm-hmm. I really, in terms of coaching, I don't really expect the Saints to take too much of it or see too much of a drop off at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I like their staff, and I I agree with you. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, it's going to be just come down to consistency at the quarterback position. Obviously, Jameis I think will benefit from not having to rotate with Taysom Hill. I don't think right. they're going to do that anymore. Um, so I I think that'll be a a good thing for him, and it'll just be on you know can they protect him? Can the offensive line uh, be intact? And can he be? the right make the right decisions and how are they going to play to that i know last year they did a good job of limiting him and making sure he, they kept him to one or two reads and how they played their offense and and they ran the football too so um you know just be interested to see how that goes and then the rest of the division i mean marcus mariota for the falcons throwing to the guy next door i don't know yeah <laughs> you know, they just uh all they the just, meetings of <laughs> Yeah, they just brought in Auden uh uh Tate, Auden Tate, I think, from Oh my god, that's from, not gonna fix their problem. <laughs> no. So um and I don't even know who number number two receiver is. I uh, guess Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts would be their number two guy. They're, they're number one and number two. Or sorry, Kyle much. Pitts number one, Cordell Patterson number two. Yeah. And that's gonna get that's gonna get real predictable real quick. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And then Carolina, I I don't know what Carolina is. As long as Matt rules there, they're they're gonna suck. So yeah, I just that whole that whole move just hasn't worked out. And then you know that trade for Sam Darnold has just man, it's uh, it's turned on them very quickly. And now you know it'll be interesting what they do at six. Do they take a Malik Willis? Do they're talking about? I've seen a lot of people talking about how they trade up. You know, spend more picks to go after the quarterback, and it's just like, first wow. off, yeah. yeah, first off, the 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 trade for Darnold wasn't smart to begin with, but you could have created yourself a little bit of wiggle room if you didn't approve his fifth year option. There was no reason to do that, mm-hmm. and I guess maybe it was just a sign of Matt Rule telling the former uh, front office that, hey you know, have confidence, kind of like what Frank Reich did with, you know, Carson Wentz, put his neck on the line. But still, man, you don't guarantee that to a guy with that body of work. You just don't do it. So Mm -hmm. I I would love nothing else because, you know, out of all the NFC South rivalries, Panthers are my hated rival. rival. Mm -hmm. Ever since 2003, you know, the 12 to 11 or 12 to 10 loss. Uh, I was at that game. Yeah, or, oh God, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> it where was Jared bad. Vicious went out, and where all everyone like, everyone got hurt that game. Everybody yeah. got hurt, and that was the end of Martin Grammatica. That was all, just, all, they, they broke him in that game. Allstott and Jared Vicious like ran into each other, into they each hurt, other, right? They hurt yeah. themselves on the same play, and I was like, yeah, there goes that season. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and then of course you had the uh, the Colts come back, Peyton Manning, and yeah, right, all that stuff. But yeah, that was. Uh, 
Yeah, Panthers went on to the Super Bowl that year. So yep, that was the yep, that was the year Stephen Davis and Machine Muhammad and, and mm-hmm. uh, Steve Smith, all of them went off. Uh, Jake Delhomme, I never liked that guy. But yeah, the Raging yeah. Cajun, they called him. Ugh, I'll show him raging. I couldn't, I couldn't stand him. Yeah, so like you know, the Panthers. I, I would love nothing more to see the Panthers self destruct anymore. So hey, Matt Rule, go ahead and trade on up, spend more of those draft picks, and then let's just hope that nothing but drama follows afterward mm-hmm. yeah no agreed uh i just it's uh it's been something it's been something of off season so far and i can't wait for you know the next couple of weeks obviously we're going to get closer to the draft and, and things are starting to you know play out and shape up it you know it looks like for this team for the bucks i mean we talked a little bit about it needs are i think more pass rush up front you know obviously secondary maybe an offensive lineman, maybe a running back here. I'll ask you this. What about the tight end position? Do you feel like this is finally the year they draft a tight end? How high do they draft a tight end? I know it's a good group of tight ends this year. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them take you know Jake Ferguson in the third or fourth round, something like that. I mm-hmm. feel like they've got to draft a tight end because even if Rob Gronkowski comes back, him and Cameron Brate are old in terms yeah. of football years. Um, and obviously, Cam Bray, yes, he's been healthier, but I feel like that's been in a part of because he's been in a more limited role over the last couple of years. And, I mean, he's just his skill set at the end of the day. It is what it is. I mean, we all know that. So I feel like at the end of the day, even though tight end hasn't really been a focal point in Bruce Arians' offense until Rob Gronkowski came into the picture, and for good reason, can completely understand that shift. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, either way, they've got to draft somebody. They've got to get younger at the position this year for sure. And they they can't they can't rely on Tanner Hudson and uh, the other practice squad guy from last year. That oh, uh, Drill Adams. You know they they can't rely on them for Cody Cody McElroy. and Cody. There we go and Cody McElroy. Those are the yeah. guys. Yeah, those dudes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I think. I mean, it just depends on like how high are they gonna you know look at one? Do they look at like a Trey McBride who's kind of like that? I would like that. I mean, it's it would be a fun option. Obviously, a great pass catcher, a guy I think he can block a little bit. Um, or do they go for like, you know, maybe a more upside athleticism with the the Greg size? Yeah, someone weird. someone like that, or yeah. maybe like a Jelani. I think it's Jelani Woods. Oh yeah, out of Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that'll be interesting to see how like how high they prioritize. Again, it's not something they feature in this offense is more receivers but if you can find a guy that can you know split out wide and and maybe do some blocking too obviously i mean putting it simple like an oj howard that they thought he was going to be you know maybe in that kind of role but i don't know we'll see how how much they prioritize it yeah and their their lack of movement in free agency obviously we still have a long way to go but you know so far their immediate lack of movement in free agency lends you to you know think that they're going to have to add somebody in the draft and mm. honestly it wouldn't be a bad idea to do it to do a second or third round pick or fourth round pick because if you can find that guy who's super and that's the cool thing about the draft is in the third fourth rounds you usually find a ton of guys who are athletic as hell but super raw in terms of technique well guess what the nfl is all about freaking coaching so yeah. you just get these super raw guys you develop them here in a couple of years who knows what they could be. So, I mean, they definitely need to keep an open mind at the position entering this year. And, you know, 
it could be Byron Leftwich's team here in a couple of years, and he could view the tight end position completely different, especially with being with Gronk the last couple of years. So who yeah. knows? Yeah, let me ask you this. Were you surprised that Byron or, or Todd didn't get a head coach position? I was just based off of how badly the whole Jacksonville thing went down, even yeah. though it was Jacksonville at the end of the day, unless it's Cleveland or – I guess you could say Oakland at one point in time or, you know, Detroit or New York Jets. Like, there's only a few franchises you expect to screw it up that badly. But even then with a guy like Byron, who has a good reputation amongst his peers, but yet when you throw on the the tape, the results, the the process, whatever, you know, term you want to use, there's still questions that linger. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I was surprised that he missed out on that job, even though it was most likely Jacksonville's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with, when it comes to Todd Bowles, retreads or retreads in the NFL it happens all the time. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get political here, but you know, black head coaches outside of Lovely Lovey Smith really don't have many opportunities as retreads. Um, you know, I mean, look what happened to Jim Caldwell in Detroit. So I'm not really surprised, but that's just more, like I said, political, and, and I'm not trying to get into all that. But uh, right. that's just that's just more a different, you know, non-football related perspective more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was kind of surprised with Byron, like you said, but Todd, I, I think he really enjoys being a defense coordinator, and I think, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think he's in a great spot, and he he likes coaching for this team and coaching with BA, uh, and I think he doesn't he doesn't um, he doesn't want that stress. He doesn't want that extra you know, uh, responsibility. Uh, and I think he likes what he's doing right now. So that's a good thing for the bucks. I think he's a great defense coordinator, especially when he has what he needs uh, to work with and his system. I think it's a good one where, when the pieces are working together and doing their job. Uh, but Byron just use more play action. That's all we ask. <laughs> that's all we need. Um, get that play action in there. Continue to use the motion. I saw your tweet today about. I'll say they've been using a bunch yeah. of motion. <laughs> motion is fine. Keep that going, but let's get the play action ramped up. I mean, Tom Brady is just a assassin when it comes to play action. I mean, you might as well utilize it um, and, and do it more on first down. We'd love to see that. So that's my message to to Byron Leftwich. Let's let's make it happen. Well, and, you know, obviously they got rid of all the COVID protocols when it comes to the interviews and stuff. They they still haven't officially allowed reporters back in the locker rooms. But I heard that it's, it's going to come. Yeah, it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when it comes to post-game press conferences and stuff, they'll be in person now. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> the, one, the one cool thing about, you know, all the Zoom press conferences and stuff was, you always kind of had a feeling that Bruce Arians kind of told them what to say before they came on. So you always felt like the play action thing was more Bruce being like, Hey, uh, it needs to be a product of the running game or we need to base it off a product of the running game whenever you could also incorporate. And this is something I always wanted to ask, but I'll no longer probably get the, the opportunity to ask. <laughs> your quarterback should be good at faking it as well because nobody ever thought Tom Brady was going to take it and run it, run a sweep or run an inside zone handoff or whatever, or take it himself. Yet they always bid on the play action fake because he was so damn good at faking it. So Tom Brady's great at faking it. So, Hey, why not? Let's, let's put that into a factor. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I agree with Krillin here, guys. We, oh, yeah. Please, I totally agree with Krillin. Yeah, please hit that uh, like button. Uh, subscribe if you guys haven't yet already. Uh, check out Evan uh, work at his new site. Uh, mention that for the people uh, once again. Yeah, so a to z sports.com. I'm ex- spelled exactly how it sounds. And if you just want to check out the Tampa Bay side of things, it would be a to z sports.com slash Tampa Bay. Awesome. Uh, I can't believe it's been an hour already. Again, this was like last minute put together. I appreciate you, Evan, so much for joining me. Uh, just subbing in for uh, my co-host mark it's uh, always a pleasure talking football with you uh but any final thoughts uh, before we head out obviously off season is just getting started which is crazy yeah really and really we're just in the beginning of the 2022 off season and man i mean in terms of tampa bay thoughts another year with tom brady so there's so much to look forward to but at the same time, let's not get too carried away. Let's also plan for the future. Um, but I think this franchise, this front office, and this coaching staff knows how to not only take care of the short term, but the long term. In terms of the NFL, buckle up because this year is going to get wild. And, hey, I know Tampa Bay fans are going to hate hearing this, but do not count out the Packers. I know losing one of your best players – and yeah, Aaron Rodgers won MVP last year, but you could honestly argue, I'm not going to say you're going to win, but you could at least hold some ground saying Devontae Adams was the best player on that team. Losing to that quality of a player certainly dents your offseason, but they've made a ton of other good moves. So watch out for the Packers. That's all I got to say. I, I have to bring this up. Do you do you feel like we treat you this way? <laughs> Why? <laughs> hey, everybody my entire life has treated me like the redhead stepchild. I am literally a redhead stepchild. I have a stepmom and a stepdad. And so like I'm like doubled down that shit. That's probably why I look so pale all the time. But regardless, um, it just comes natural. So Krillin, don't worry. You probably treat me like a redhead stepchild. You don't even know it, man. That's all or woman. That's all I gotta say. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Evan. It's been just awesome, you know, talking football, NFL, offseason. It really is the best drama show out there. I mean, we, we all watch Netflix and all that other stuff. I mean, this, I mean, it beats it all pretty much. And and thank you guys uh, who joined us tonight. Appreciate you guys. The questions were awesome. The audience always bringing it. Uh, so be sure to uh, check out our stuff. Check out Real Bucks Talk. Check out Evan's work at his his site. Uh, it's just awesome stuff as always. And uh, I think we're out of here. So go Bucks. Go Bucks.